Blog Talk Radio. Step down to the get down. All right, whenever you're ready. You're ready. Five seconds to the open. Aquarius, watch that little gimbal. We don't want you coming off in space. Booster, go. Retro, go. Vital, go. Fly. Guidance, Surgeon, go. Light, go. We're going fly. GNC, we're going. Tell me, go. FAO, we are go. Network, go. Discovery, go. Capcom, we're go flight. Launch control, this is Houston. We are go for launch. The Roman Show. With your host, Rodolfo Roman. Welcome back. It's another episode. We are back on the air. Uh, the Roman Show is on vacation. Uh, we were over in Asia. And in fact, look forward to posting very shortly some footage uh, from a couple of events that we attended. In fact, we have some already. Just go on to the RomanShow.com. We were at the DDT Pro uh, event, all-women's wrestling event, in uh, Nagoya, Japan. So you can check that out. Uh, Yuka of AEW performed uh, that afternoon. And we have a good write-up there at uh, AEW's Yuka competing for uh, TJPW. It's part of DDT Pro, which is... Pretty much almost like the number two wrestling promotion in Japan after New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, but they have uh, many, many promotions under the belt, including the All Women's uh, Company, which is TG, TJPW. And they have their DDT Pro, which consult, pretty much uh, includes um, yeah, the men's and the women's. Uh, so check that over uh, over to the RomanShow.com. We got videos, we got pictures of uh, Yuka competing and the rest of the ladies that competed that afternoon uh, in Nagoya, Japan in uh, a great, 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 great crowd. Very different. They're not loud and screaming. They're actually quiet, unlike here in the States where people just get pretty angry. So check that out. Um, as we had a, a blast out there. Again, uh, your host here, Rodolfo Roman, getting ready uh, for a great, great program for you. Just wanted to get some of the house rules out of the way. Uh, get the funk off your junk. Visit ballwash.com to get the best soap out there for us men and ladies to uh, clean yourself down there and be smelling very, very good. Head on over to ballwash.com or visit theromanshow.com. Use the promo code ROMAN to get a percentage off your purchase. Collarandelbowbrand.com is the website you need to visit and purchase yourself a brand new t-shirt. They got some new designs. These t-shirts are not uh, your good old cartoonish type of t-shirts. You don't believe me? Head on over to collarandelbowbrand.com to find out more. Use the promo code all in caps, the Roman show, and you will get a percentage of your purchase. Um, Combat Nights this Saturday. I'll be announcing out there July 27th in Fort Lauderdale at the Sway Nightclub. It's going to be a great night, guys. Head on over um, inside the club. Love it out there because you really got that that uh, one-on-one with fighters. Because you're right there in, in, this, in this nightclub and uh, the cage in the middle. And you're seeing it right there. And, and you're going to see some of the girls and, and guys that could potentially be inside 
the UFC's octagon or Bellator's cage. Um, this is your chance. You can meet and greet these guys before they become the big stars that they are now, uh, that they exist right now in the UFC. Um, so head on over, Sway Nightclub. Um, if you're in there, say hello. Let us take a picture with you or sign something or whatever it may be. But look forward to seeing everyone out there this Saturday at Sway Nightclub, July 27th. And on August 23rd, you have Titan FC at the Extreme Action Park. That will be streaming live on UFC Fight Pass. You have two titles on the line. It's going to be a great night, like always, at the Extreme Action Park in Fort Lauderdale. Look forward to seeing you guys out there on August 23rd. All right, guys, once again, in just a few, we'll be welcoming Mitch of Combat Night and Cortez Castro, who is a part of Lucha Underground and a former tag team champion of ROH. But let's get things working. I'm heading out into Reality Check and talk a little bit of pro wrestling. And now it's time to give you a reality check. I'd like to invite everyone to our socials. Follow us, Roman Show Media, on Instagram and on Facebook. And uh, The Roman Show on Twitter. That's at The Roman Show on Twitter. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, All Roman 201 We have a great interview uh, from uh, my co-host who is missing in action today, uh, George Alonzo. He spoke to Matt Stryker, and he opens up about some very personal topics. Very emotional, spiritual man. Very nice guy. Head on over to theromanshow.com or our YouTube channel. Subscribe, all Roman 201 to hear and watch that interview for yourself. And then, coming up real soon, we got former WCW and WWE superstar Buff Bagwell. Uh, we got a great interview with him. That will be posted very soon, and also Impact Wrestling's or former Impact Wrestler, uh, Wrestling Wrestler uh, Rebel will be on the program uh, right there. So check that out on our YouTube. That's youtube.com forward slash our Roman 0201. All right, well, the news broke that AEW will be debuting Wednesdays in October, and their first event will be in Washington, D.C. This is going to air on TNT. We've been all been waiting for a date. We got it on October 3rd. Mind you, this is the same time that WWE is supposed to debut SmackDown on Fox in October. We don't know what date that is, but we do know that it's going to be in October and the fall. Things Business is about to pick up as AEW now will be on TNT. And you have WWE on Fox and, of course, the USA Network and Rumors. Rumors are out there that there is a uh, pretty big chance that we might see NXT on FS1 to battle AEW on Wednesday nights. Remember, NXT already airs on Wednesdays on the, U- on the WWE Network, uh, but it's not live. Uh, it's pre-recorded. So if indeed they do decide to put a NXT on FS1, I'd wonder if they're going to do it live or they're going to do pre-recorded. Either way, one thing that has been pretty much swirling around in the world of uh, of the internet is that if, in case NXT does um, air on FS1, not only are you going to have the NXT 
superstars on there, but also the main roster guys and girls will be jumping ship and make their appearances on that program to bring in that extra uh, viewership. So it'd be very interesting to see what the WWE is going to do now. It's their move. It's their time. Will they battle? Will they go to war? And if they do, of course, they're going to go with um, NXT, which is right up there with AEW's type of uh, quote-unquote new uh, revolution or uh, new the alternative wrestling. NXT is that. They do have that alternative wrestling. Of course, if they are given the opportunity, wrestlers do go beyond uh, our expectations because they take it to the next limit. You don't believe me? Just look at some of those amazing NXT pay-per-views. In fact, some of the NXT pay-per-views are better than the actual main roster pay-per-views. Then that's just the truth. So, um, AEW has some stiff competition from NXT. If indeed it does air on FS1, we just have to wait and see. But one thing that Cody Rhodes did say is that the difference between their promotion is that their wrestling... Sorry about that. I just got back from Japan, so I'm feeling very jet-lagged, and it sucks. In fact, I was feeling a little dizzy, um, upset stomach. If uh, you have flown overseas and you come back on a 13, 14-hour difference, by God, it sucks. I'm telling you, it really sucks. So if you hear me yawning a couple of times, it's not because I'm bored and I don't feel like doing the show. It's just because... I am jet lagged, and no matter how much sleep I've had, it still sucks. Either way, let's continue. Cody Rhodes did say that the wrestling will be different as they will hear from the fans, and it's a promotion run by wrestlers, and they're not afraid of calling an audible if the fans don't like what is taking place inside the ring or storyline-wise. Um, that That's going to be cool. Um if indeed they do do that, and this kind of reminds me of that pay-per-view where the fans were able to uh, choose the stipulation of each match, which sometimes really it really makes me guess that. I, I don't think how accurate they are. Uh, I think it was like taboo. It was a taboo event. I can't remember. But people would just tweet or not tweet, but send in messages to see what stipulation they wanted. And then on the air, you would see the percentage of people that wanted, you know, X, you know, table match or ladder match, whatever the heck it is. Um, either way, it does have a little bit of interaction in it, which is great. And, and something that many people have requested or, or, or have said online that that's what they would love to do with the WWE. Uh, so the fact that the, the, the fans are going to choose how they want that character, that performer, to excel or, or want them to, to lose, or whatever it may be, uh, they will have a say. And according to Cody Rhodes, they will have a very close ear to fan reaction. So let's just wait and see how this is going to take place. But uh, we're heading, ladies and gentlemen, into uh, battle territory as AEW and WWE will be battling it out and going to war. This is not just some sort of like a friendly competition. I really do believe that Vince McMahon, once his stuff airs on TNT, he's going to go to war. So expect, we hope, the best of the WWE since they got to go up to be 
face AEW. And they haven't had really a strong competitor since WCW, really. Uh, because TNA or Impact Wrestling really didn't count. They only just did one show or two shows on a Monday night. And that pretty much failed. Uh, and we all know where they are now. They're on some channel that I personally have never heard of. And on Twitch. Either way, this is their chance to really uh, get some uh, promotion uh, and, and, and get some 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 recognition as how good and strong and the reason why they're still around uh, against AEW is really going to push both companies, but all the performers, to another level because they need to compete. You know, they need to see who is going to be the better product here and win the fans over. As for me, I'll tell you this much. I would, it's going to be tough because I, I like NXT. Um, but I, I, I'll be honest, I'll tune into the first show of AEW. That, that's just going to be my um, my desire. I, I, that's that's the plan, to watch AEW. And then I just could read about uh, or, or watch on, on, on demand uh, NXT. But I'm telling you, I'm, I will go all in on watching that first event. I think it's going to be monumental. And this is great. You know, you're going to get competition. And only competition brings the best out of uh, anyone, including a company as big as the WWE. Well, the uh, Raw reunion took place this uh, past week, of course. Or not this past week, but this Monday. And, you know, to me, it was just a whole bunch of legends mixed up in a jar. Some of it just didn't make any sense. Stone Cold Steve Austin was the highlight of the night. He came and uh, gave a toast to WWE. But it seemed like it was just like a big gathering for, for really no reason just to gather and celebrate WWE. But there was there was nothing behind. Um, I know that uh, some of the guys were put over like Nick Mick Foley took a uh, mandible claw from... I'll tell you. I'm not kidding about this jet lag. Uh, he put the mandible claw, uh, or Bray Wyatt put the mandible claw on Mick Foley. And that is great because it, it kind of patches the torch, right? He passes the torch to Bray Wyatt, which, mind you, his appearances have been very spooky and can't wait to see him against Finn Balor. I'm, I'm hoping that Finn Balor brings out the demon because then you'll have the, the demon versus the fiend. That's going to be cool at SummerSlam. Uh, but yeah, this, this this Raw reunion just had a bunch of people all together. Didn't make any sense. I was just confused. I, I really do think that it, they went overboard. They had like over thirty re- legends, and and they just didn't know what to do with them. Like Melina, for example, they had her be a referee in in one of those spots. I really thought she was gonna compete, but then uh, some of the reports are saying that some of these guys just weren't cleared to wrestle. For whatever reason, injuries or concussions or whatever the band I've had in the past. But that just doesn't make any sense to me that you have all these people, but there's no reasoning behind it. And I didn't see any of them helping some of the younger guys pushing them. So to me, it was just a big cluster, if you want to say. Bunch of people thrown in there, made no sense. Just here you go, guys. We're going to give you this stuff to get some uh, viewership up uh, ratings. And it worked, I will be honest. All right, well, moving forward, Carl Cortez Castro, also known as Ricky Reyes and ROH, a former tag team champion uh, for the Ring of Honor, uh, and it was one half of the Havana Pitbulls. Uh, but Cortez Castro, you also might remember him from Lucha Underground, and Lucha Underground, well, we don't know where it is. We don't know what's going to happen as it aired on El Royal Network, but Cortez uh, spoke to us about 
working with uh, Lucha Underground, uh, what he's currently doing, and uh, training with Hall of Famer Antonio Inoki, Japanese professional wrestler. And, and wait till you hear their training. This is not your, you just get in a ring and, and start taking bumps and all that stuff. No, 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 no. There's more to that. Cortez Castro explains. And then Mitch of Combat Knights will be joining us to talk about the great event uh, this Saturday at Sway Nightclub in Fort Lauderdale featuring amateur mixed martial arts. And you will be amazed that this guy and his company plan to put about 20 or so fight cards in a year. Welcome back, everyone, to the Roman Show, and uh, it's a real honor, man, to have this man right here on the program. I'm talking about this is a, a former one half of a, of a tag team champion in ROH, an international superstar. You've seen him in Lucha Underground. I'm talking about Ricky Reyes, also known as Cortez in Lucha Underground. Ricky, thanks so much for joining us on the Roman Show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, Ricky. Uh, You've been a busy man. I've been seeing uh, some clips there on uh, on Twitter and so forth. What have you been up to lately? Uh, you know, uh, every week, uh, you know, just traveling a couple couple few shots a week, uh, pretty consistent. Been uh, getting a lot more offers for like to do seminars and stuff as of late. So that's kind of like uh, you know just kind of make the traveling a little more hectic. And but I love it. So just kind of getting around there all over the place. You know. <laughs> Training uh, in, in different seminars. What, what what can you see? What what aspects have you seen out there? Type of prospects. Some of the new blood is being trained to be uh, professional wrestlers. What, what what have you eyed in there? What have you taken from it from doing the seminars? Uh, lately, I've seen like the trend that I see is uh, you know a lot of the guys uh, and girls just kind of doing things for the sake of doing them with no real meaning, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, like, a lot of times when newer wrestlers, when they see, uh, you know, certain people on television or, you know, or the more popular independent wrestlers doing um, multiple type of moves or or whatever sequences and stuff, you, whatever you want to call it, uh, just I feel like they're not really looking into really why they're doing them they just see the uh you know the, the moves themselves and, and sequences and stuff and just kind of like they feel like oh i have to do stuff like that to get be looked at as being good or 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 that'll get me popular or something and not really understanding that you know like like top independent wrestlers and, and wrestlers we see now on television um you know they there's meaning behind doing what they do, you know, like, we all do maybe more than maybe the old-timers like us to do, but nowadays, you know, we, we there's reasoning for it and stuff like that, you know, and sometimes a lot of the old-time wrestlers, like, maybe like, uh, you know, Cornette or whatever, like, I'll use him as an example, but he kind of sees, like, a lot of guys just doing stuff and that not understanding, like, there's reasoning for it, you know, or the reasoning for it, maybe they should they should look more into but um i guess that's kind of really the one thing that i have to like kind of stop and and explain and break down for a lot of people is like 
uh, you know, if you're going to do, you know, X, Y, and Z, that there, there has to be a reasoning for it. You know, don't just do things in your match because, you know, you, you just want to, you know, add more garnish to it. You know, it's not necessarily needed uh, as much as they think it is, you know, and then when you do do it, do it there has to be a reasoning for it. So. And just that's kind of, kind of what I see, and you know, there's a lot more, you know, wrestlers that are now like a lot more athletic and stuff. So they, I guess they feel a need like to do more, you know, because because they can. That's not necessarily always the best. So. And just want to throw it out there: if you want a seminar session from uh, from Ricky, just hit him up on on Twitter at Ricky Reyes01. Of course, he's a, a man of a, a lot of knowledge. Now, speaking of seminars and training, you were trained by the legendary Antonio Noki, Japanese wrestler who battled Muhammad Ali in what uh, many have claimed to be this is to be the first mixed martial arts uh, fight. Uh, tell me training with Antonio Noki uh, in Japan, the, the differences of training with this man, and then the training you did here in the United States, and then putting it all together to, to today. You know, what type of training? Are, are they a little bit softer now? Are they harder on the guys and girls now than they were back in the day? I, I, I can attest. I, I, I played football. I wrestled. And the coaches back then were hardcore. <laughs> you know, they would slap you in the face, get you up. And now, they're a little bit softer. But I don't know. I mean, you let us know. Have times changed in the training? Um... It- it's hard to say because every everywhere everywhere I go is very different. Um, you know, training with Mr. Inoki was, I mean, obviously, and needless to say, like an absolute honor and privilege. Like I was just, you know, um, I just love Japanese style wrestling. So like when the Inoki Dojo originally opened in, in 2002, uh, I, I was invited. You know, and there was a very select few people that were you know, invited to, to come down for the first couple months when the dojo originally opened up. And uh, I just remember kind of like walking in and being, you know, obviously that goes only like two or three years into, into wrestling at that point wow. in 2002. So I was, I was very intimidated, but I knew that that's what I wanted. And uh, that's what I, you know, I kind of remember telling myself like, yeah, I'm never leaving this place, you know? and. Uh, it was just everything that I wanted it to be. It was it was it was hardcore training because you know we trained more mixed martial arts style than anything else. We didn't really train pro wrestling at all. Um, it was our job to kind of translate what we learned in the mixed martial arts training into pro wrestling, and that was Mr. Inoki's vision of the Inoki Dojo originally, which is the LA Dojo now, um, which was to be like a fighter first and a pro wrestler second, and his his idea for that was we could translate a real fight uh, feeling to wrestling fans if you had, if you really did you know a, a real fight you know and and so forth so like the training and stuff was just uh, each day was a different discipline you know there'd be like Muay Thai on Wednesdays uh, Greco Roman wrestling Tuesdays and, and time you know and, and boxing Mondays and you know, we had like a weightlifting coach come in on Fridays and give us nutritional, you know, information and, and show us different lifts and stuff. So every day was a different discipline. And then, uh, you know, at that time I was, you know, with, with the CMLL and, and Ring of Honor. So, you know, we kind of like took what we learned at the dojos, at, at the dojo training, like 
throughout the week and then on the weekend you know we travel for events and stuff and then try to put it into to our matches you know but uh training with mr inoki his his you know thought and everything was to make it to make pro wrestling real maybe not so much where he wanted to to prove that it was real but he just wanted wrestling fans to forget that it was not you know um so so he would question a lot of stuff like we would watch like maybe a wwf wwe match and he would ask you know like well if he has him in the chin lock Something happened. I don't know how that got cut off, but no worries. Okay. Um, yeah, you were just telling me about, about the chin lock. We we go edit, so don't worry about that. Okay. Um, yeah, with the chin lock, it was like, why is he not trying to get out of it? Why is his hands out towards the fans? You know, and, and he would criticize things like that, like putting any kind of like hold or anything on, and having the person. In in our world, it's it's just selling the move, right? And and he was. His, his criticism was, how come he's not trying to get out of the move? Why is he just sitting there accepting the move, you know? And so he would put, like, I remember one time he had uh, TJP was sitting next to him, and he grabs TJ, and he puts him in, like, what's a rear naked choke, and squeezes, and TJ, you know, quickly <laughs> grabs Mr. Inoki's hands and arms and tries to, like, pull away, you know? And, and he says, he, he tells us, see, that's, that's the reaction they, that fans would understand because if they go and they grab a person and do that, your first reaction isn't to, like, you know, pander to the fans, like, oh, help me, you know, it, it's more <laughs> of a, a panic, you know, and uh, so uh, a lot of times, uh, well, ever since then, really, I've kind of looked at everything in pro wrestling is different, you know, I, I try to, like, uh, I always I tell people I'm not flashy, I'm effective, you know, uh, I go in to, you know, if you're going to wrestle me, you're, you're going to wrestle me. You're not going to worry about the fans. You're not going to worry about this, you know, you know, and that's going to draw real emotion out of the fans because then they become more invested in it. You know, it's like my match looks different from the match prior and after. It just stands out. The, a wrestling fan can't really tell you, you know, even though they think they can, they can't really tell you what's good and what's bad in a match. They, they can tell you what they like and what they don't like but they cannot tell you what's good and what's bad and why, you know, they, they just know like, oh, I like a match with lots of flips, but they can't tell you, was it a good match with flips or was it a bad match with flips? They, they don't really understand that, you know, and being a professional wrestler, like you have to be more than just a fan, you know, you have to go into detail about why, when, and where everything happens in a match, you know, and kind of learn to control the crowd know take them on a, a roller coaster ride um and it, it's difficult there's not kind of so many moving parts to it you know it's like uh this past week i, I wrestled a guy who's very athletic you know he was uh you know um in great shape and everything uh you know and he wanted to do a lot of stuff and, and that was great uh but as we started to piece everything together, a lot of the stuff didn't fit. He just kept throwing things out there. Well, what if we did this? And I thought, well, well what's the point and the purpose of that? You know, we're already here. You know, um, adding extra doesn't 
mean it's it's any better. You know, I said that you know if we if we do too much at a certain point of the match, the crowd, you know, now that it's all clicks and buzzes to them, you know, it's all flickering lights. Like they don't really understand. Like it's just like it's just nothing. You know, but if you draw motion and you build up to something at a certain point in the match, like it's it's hard to take that take that away. You can't disengage there. You know, like because then the fans will disengage and they, they won't understand. Oh well, you know they were mad at each other a second ago, and you know this guy was really hurt. You know, and 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 now he's shooting him off and everything's okay. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's just uh, it's unnecessary. You know, at times and like the idea is not to you know make a match. At least in my opinion, I don't want to make a match with a bunch of pops. Right. You know, it's kind of constantly getting like pops from the crowd. I I prefer to build a match to an eruption. You know, and then at the very end, get what the crowd feels like they got what they wanted. You know, um, and so a lot of times for the crowd to get what they want at the end, uh, somebody has to take that away, take take away what they like. You know, and then finally give it to them at the end. So. And, and uh, it's it's like a it's like a movie. I have the key. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them just enough to where the the crowd is is constantly wanting it. And then I'm, and as a bad guy, I'm gonna take it away from them. And then when it's time, when I'm ready, I'll give it to them. You know. And, and, and speaking of movies, we all know that you were part of a Lucha Underground that was pretty pretty much shot like a movie, like a sitcom, where you had to follow that storyline. What, what's the status of Lucha Underground? We understand that uh, last reports we heard that if there was a season five, that it was going to be like a reboot. Um, there were some um, folks from some of the roster that were upset with the whole outcome of Lucha Underground. Do you have any insight of it? Well, I mean, you know, I'm still under contract with them. Uh, and it's, it's difficult to explain because it's not a wrestling company, you know, so the wrestlers, you know, that work there, we're not really in the loop much. And even the writers, for that matter, they're not in, in much of a loop because it goes so much higher than than just, you know, than just that. So it's, it's a lot of, like, MGM and El Rey kind of, like, trying to figure out what, they, what they're going to want to do. At the end of the day, we weren't from El Rey's, Ray Network's budget, we weren't factored in for this year. It just didn't work out. So to 2019, we weren't going to shoot any Lucha Underground. Like, that was just it, the end of it, you know. And that was it for this year. Now, when 2020's budget starts coming up later in the fall and they start factoring in things, we, it could be a completely different story. You know, it could be like, okay, well, let's get Lucha Underground Season 5 done because we didn't do it last year. It, it could be that simple, you know? It could be like, yeah, let's let's shoot it, let's do it. It could be as simple as, okay, well, MGM wants to shop us around, which is what they really want to do, and get us on a bigger network. So they may work something out to where MGM says, well, you know, we're just going to take all of Lucha Underground and go put it on, yeah, I don't know, you know, like NBC, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, so it's a, you know the the idea of it still coming back is is a very strong possibility. Uh, in what form? I, I don't know. You know, a lot of the guys that left for like Ring of Honor and stuff 
have in their contracts that they can just come back and tie up any loose ends Lucha Underground because we're, again, we are not a wrestling company, so our survival and stuff like that is not based off house shows and merchandise and things like that, like a normal wrestling company. It is literally a, a TV series, you know, like Modern Family isn't on the road, you know, doing house <laughs> shows, you know, it's it's based off, you know, ratings and, and the, 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 the supply and demand and stuff for for the show itself, so it's it's a little different, you know. It's um, so it's geared for professional wrestling fans and and that audience and stuff, but it's it's also more about the television show and the series itself, much like uh, like I said, like um, like a Modern Family or something, you know. So that's that's how the business end of that works and. Uh, MGM and El Rey both love the show, so they're on our team, they're on our side, the wrestling fans and the wrestlers, you know, but at the end of the day, it's business is business, so for all we know, there, there could be things being worked out right now, and, you know, we're kind of like in the dark just as much as everybody else, which, which is frustrating, so, you know, you just kind of like worry about what you're doing and stuff like that, and and when the time comes, uh, you know, we'll be informed when we need to be. <laughs> That's kind of where so, everyone's at. So saying that Lucha Underground is completely different from a wrestling promotion, how was the locker room? How, how was that feel? I mean, did you have a locker room or did you just come in, you film, and that's it? So you really don't get to hang around with the girls and the guys in the back? No, I mean, yeah, it's, it's you know, uh, it's it's very much like like how Raw is where you get there really early you know, or a pay-per-view, and it's production, it's meetings, you know, it's rehearsals, it's uh, photo shoots, it's interviews with, you know, it's it's a constant, you know, um, work, 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 like around the clock. We'd get to the building to shoot at 8 a.m., and then we'd be done and wrapped and heading back to the hotel at 8 p.m. So you're constantly around everybody, um, you know, but it's not just wrestlers you know you get in there and there's extras there's actors you know there's there's all these different things and then during the week we shoot all the vignettes and stuff around you know downtown LA and in in different studios and stuff so you're kind of just kind of like you could see somebody and be around you know like I could be around Killshot all week you know and then not see him on the weekends because he shot all this stuff on the weekends and he's off in like Germany wrestling you know and then like the next week I could not see you know Melissa Santos for like two weeks and then boom like there she is just at the show so you know it's just it all depends like you know we're kind of all over the place you know like there's times where you know like Angelico and like Son of Havoc and all those guys would be uh you know I'd be around them for like two weeks straight and then you know like I'd be gone and you know they they'd be there and you know it just your schedule is just kind of all over the place all the time so once we start shooting it's like six months it's like four to six months of like non-stop just kind of like anarchy you know (laughs) like I'd come home like on a Monday and get home Monday night and I get a text Tuesday afternoon like, hey, can you be on a flight tomorrow morning to, wow. you know, to Santa Monica? We need you to shoot, you know, three scenes in two days and then we'll fly you home and then you're off for the weekend. And I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. Let me just throw my stuff in the laundry and, you know, and, <laughs> and repack my bag. So, I mean, that, that happened, 
you know, all the time. And, and for all of us, even the guys in Mexico City, you know, like sometimes the guys in Mexico City would say, you know, they'd be told, yeah, you're going to be in, you know, you'll be in L.A. for, for four days. And they'd, they'd be there for two and a half weeks. You know, they're like, oh, can you just stay? We're just going to keep you here. <laughs> and they'd be like, uh, yeah, sure. In, in so. previous in previous interviews, you've, you've spoken your relationship with CM Punk. We were talking about Antonio Noki and MMA and how... Um, he, 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 he brought uh, Muay Thai, boxing, uh, the, the realism into training. Do, do you still have that relationship with CM Punk? And, and uh, heck, did you ever get an opportunity to roll with him on the, on the ground with Jiu-Jitsu or do a little sparring with him? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Punk's still a good friend of mine. Uh, we don't talk nearly as much uh, nowadays, but he's one of those friends where he's just kind of a friend forever, like... Yeah, you know, I, there's been times where I hadn't talked to him in, in months, you know, almost years, and then I see him, and it's it's like I just saw, I just spoke with him, you know, an hour ago. So, uh, yeah, we're still good friends, and uh, I did, yeah, he's come to the dojo uh, quite a few times when we were working for PWG. He would come in, and he would stay uh, a few days, and he would train with us. And uh, unfortunately, like I know that he liked jujitsu. Uh, he really kind of fell in love with it because it really is like a, a beautiful sport once you start to learn it and stuff and there's so many different things you can learn but uh, that's kind of where, where his where his love for MMA and, and desire for MMA started was with uh, learning Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and the thing about that is like to have a fighter mentality like you can't just say, oh, I love one aspect, one small aspect of it. I like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I think I'm going to do MMA. And it doesn't work that way. Uh, he got an opportunity to fight in the UFC because of who he was and how attractive that was to a pay-per-view audience. But he's not a fighter. Like, there's different, there, there's a different uh, level of fire inside somebody like he liked training training it and stuff like that there's just like a different switch uh that he just wasn't born with as far as like from a physicality point like he's one of those guys that like you can beat him and beat him and beat him and he's not going to give up like he'll never give up something but i knew from the first time like i rolled with him on the mats like he was not like I was better on the mat than he was because I amateur wrestled. So mm -hmm. I I knew that there's like that that switch that has to go go off and, and, and a fighter. So like I was always a fighter like as a as a kid, you know. And, and same with Punk, like he he overcame adversity as well. But when you train like eight hours a day, like I did in high school, you know, amateur wrestling and you get your ass handed to you so many times, so many times, you know, and you just, there's just, like, this switch that goes off. Like, I did two fights myself, you know, and uh, I knew that that's not what I wanted to do, but, but I, I, I did them. And I knew from wrestling punk, like, submission wrestling and, like, amateur wrestling that we did in the dojo that he would not do well in the UFC because there's just like a whole nother level of fire that has to be inside you to, to be successful at that and as good as he was maybe on the ground you know people also have to understand like jiu-jitsu is a defensive uh sport it's a defensive martial art you know and it's one aspect of it you know and and the 
what makes it intriguing is the technique of it. But MMA is a fight. And it doesn't matter how good you are, like in a rubber guard or in a butterfly guard or anything like that, or how flexible you are, or how fast you can get an armbar. Things completely change when you're getting pounded in the face and you're getting rocked and then you're tired and then you have to stand up and now you have to stop this guy from taking you down and doing it over. It's just like a whole nother world, you know? And um, unfortunately, like I wasn't good at MMA because I didn't want to do that, but I, w- I could have been better than, than what Punk was, but he jumped like right into the fire. Like that's how crazy and obsessed he was with it. It was like, you don't just go from like, you know, that's like saying, oh yeah, I took some bumps. I'm, I'm ready to wrestle uh, Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Like mm-hmm. that's, what, that's what Punk did in the MMA world, you know? And it was just like, it was just too much, too fast, you know? And but, now, uh, so you had fights in an amateur mean, level or pro level? Pro level or amateur? What's that? You had you had amateur fights or pro fights in MMA? I mean, yeah, they were. I mean, when I did them, they were like 2001, 2000 to 2003, and it was very underground still, right. you know. So it was at the Costa Mesa LA Boxing Club. Um, our jiu-jitsu coach at the Inoki Dojo, his brother Sean McCauley, owned the LA Boxing Club. So he had a bunch of kickboxers and Thai boxers from Thailand he was training and we were more submission wrestling based so they wanted to do like a gym wars type of thing Mm -hmm. so they would have like they would put up black curtains around the entire windows around the whole gym and just invite people like at clubs and nightclubs and like hooters and stuff like that and they would come pack this gym where it'd have a boxing ring you know and they'd move all the gym equipment and have like 300 people like crammed in there taking bets like very underground right right you know uh underground style type fights you know and it was basically just like not sanctioned you know the referees were coaches you know uh it was like all right your team versus our team let's do it you know and it was like yeah you get 100 bucks if you show up you know <laughs> 200 if you win and you're like all right let's go <laughs> and uh it was more like fighting for your you know your your crew or your 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 club or whatever so it was that that's how it was it wasn't anything like like it is now you know right, where right. there's there's a body of a government of rules and you know this is what mma is it was like if you fell down the guy kicks you in the head it's like oh put your hands up (laughs) (laughs) it was just like fight club (laughs) it was just like fight club back in the day well uh, it's exactly yeah (laughs) ricky i want to thank you so much for your time man and and taking this opportunity to speak to us for a very lengthy interview really appreciate it and um, again you can reach out to ricky for any seminars uh at ricky reyes 01 on twitter uh, anything else you want to share? Uh, nah, I mean, you know, they, all my social media is out there. It's not hard to find, so that's about it. <laughs> well, Ricky, thanks so much, man, and we look seeing you out here performing perhaps uh, somewhere at a city near you. But try to try to make a stop in Miami, Florida, and we'd love to have you down here. Shit, I'm trying, bro. I want to be out there with that weather and those girls. <laughs> well, <laughs> well you, know, you know, so many promotions out there, I mean... MLW now is picking up, uh, of course, AEW. Uh, I know you still sign with Lucha Underground, but are we going to see you in these other promotions? I know long, long, long time ago you were a part of MLW. You had a match or two. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I'm, uh, 
you know, I talked to Conan the other day, actually, so I'm thinking he's trying to work something out for me, so we'll, we'll see. Well, we'll hope to see you very, very soon in a city near, near, uh, near us or on TV. Thanks so much, Court, uh, Ricky. We appreciate your time, man. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone, to the Roman Show. And this Saturday at Sway Nightclub, Combat Night returns with another great uh, amateur fight card. Uh, it's going to be a great one. And, and Combat Nights have been very, very active. Just last week, they had another event up north of Florida uh, with another pro show. But I got I to gotta give my hat off to Mitch here, the promoter of Combat Nights. You, you do, Combat Nights has so many events. How, how many events have you had so far already? And we're just in July, Mitch. And welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I appreciate you having me on. Um, man, this year, to be honest with you, I don't know. I think this Saturday will be number 10. If I had to take a guess, that's what I would guess it would be. Wow. So that that's a lot of work uh, putting on, you know, some promotions they put four a year, you know, or, or maybe even six or whatnot. But we're, again, we're already in July. You're already at 10th, roughly. How many shows are you expecting to have till to, to the rest of the year? Um, you know, we should be able to finish off the year with somewhere around... We'll, we'll probably finish up with somewhere around 19 or 20. Wow. That's impressive. So, what is the key? I mean, how, how do you produce so many shows? That's a lot of work. 19 shows in one year... For, for, for a promotion like yours, that's almost unheard of. You know, I'm going to be real honest with you. It, it really comes down to my staff. Uh, number one, they are they are on point. They are always, you know, it's like we're like a little family, and it's a good thing because we see each other so much that if we weren't a family, it would be hard to, to be around each other as much as we are because, like, you know, this past week I was in Tallahassee from, I think, Tuesday night on. So I was hanging out with pretty much my crew. You know, I don't, I don't really get Airbnbs um, in Tallahassee. My operations manager, I stay with him, and we're around each other like 24-7 for the whole week leading up to the event. And then, uh, you know, even when I, we do like Airbnb in South Florida, we do an Airbnb together. You know, we don't get four separate hotel rooms. We just get one nice Airbnb, and we all hang out for the, you know, days leading up to the event. And not only in Florida, because you've, I mean, you've also had events in Georgia as well. Yeah, I mean, we go, we go to North, uh, South Georgia as well, and soon we'll be going to, um, you know, maybe even North Georgia. we got some things in the works right now for Augusta. Um, so it just depends. But, yeah, man, we definitely, um, you know, we definitely, we stay busy, man. Like, you know, we, we want to expand, too. We want to we keep going further and further. And, of course, I think that the best thing about it, Combat Nights, is with so many events, so many shows that you produce all over the state of Florida and in Georgia, you give that opportunity to the fighters. So many fighters are out there asking for fights, and you're giving them that platform. Yeah, I mean, you know, the amateur, the amateur uh, I think we really helped raise the bar for amateurs here in the state. 
um, doing as many shows as we were. There were a lot of shows that were kind of doing a almost like a disservice to the sport. And now if you look around the landscape of the sport, it, there's, uh, there's not really any more of those, like, barn shows. Um, you know, those have all kind of been weeded out by people that were willing to spend a little extra money on production and spend a little extra money on, uh, you know, nicer venues and that kind of thing. So, um, and then, you know, there, there's shows, it's not just us, there's XFN, there's Rise of the Warrior, there's Island Fight. There's a few good shows in here, but I, I think what really helped us separate ourselves is whenever we went pro, and um, started offering these guys opportunities as pros because, you know, there's so many amateur um, organizations out there, and if the number doesn't match the number of pro shows, well, you got a problem. You know, after a couple of years of these amateurs fighting, they're going to want to have pro fights too. And, of course, you know, it's kind of like how many, of them, how many of these guys actually end up wanting to go pro? Not nearly as many as are fighting amateur, but, you know, we need more pro shows around the state, and uh, I'd like to see... You know, other shows take take take, take that uh, example we've set and start doing pro shows too. I think it's important for the sport to um, have more more pro opportunities for these guys. So with so many shows uh, in a year, and I know you got a great staff, but making sure that you got a good fight card because when you have your fight cards, the fighters are evenly evenly squared off. I mean, you don't get no lopsided fights. You get a competitive fight. You don't get any 10 second five second knockouts i mean these are very very competitive fights so how do you go ahead and get your staff to really mix and match and have the right competitors face each other off knowing that you have all these events that you do and and, and how soon do you start working into a fight card for example july 27th this saturday when you have a fight card like that how soon do you start working on getting those fighters on the card you know um man we started same time we started with the Tallahassee show. We usually start about eight to ten weeks out. Um, there's multiple, you know, avenues that we've, we go to different towns, number one. So it's like we're not going to the same town 20 times or even 10 times. You know, the most we go to any any event or any show, like any town, is probably six times a year. Um, and that's Miami because there's a lot of people down there. So there's a lot more, um, you know, fighters that need fights. But when it comes down to, you know, the matchmaking, man, we have an amazing matchmaker. His name's Richard Cox, and he understand. he's not just, you know, no one that works with us is just a businessman or just somebody who thinks MMA is cool or a fan. Um, everyone that works with us is either that coach, manager, fighter. You know, the list goes on and on. You know, myself, I have 10 pro fights, and I really use that experience and that knowledge to, to do these events, you know. So it's, it's, to me, it's like second nature, man. It's like, I mean, if I can, if the answer to this question is, is this how I want to be treated? The answer is yes, we do it. If the answer is no, we don't do it. And I just, that's how I do all my events. It makes it really easy for me. I know it sounds crazy, but like, you know, 20 events, man, it's it just, it's easy. It, it, it really is when it comes down to it. Um, I'm also able to bring my family. I, I've created the atmosphere at the events. You know, you've been there before. Um, we don't have crazy fights that break out. We don't have, you know, there's no smoke in the venues. Um, we try to get, tell everyone to dress to impress, you know, uh, wear your suit out, you know, wear your, your nice dress. And when you look around the crowd, you see that. You see the people that are dressing up and wanting to look good for the event. So I think, um, you know, I've been to a lot of MMA shows, and, and very rare when you have an event, as many events as we have, and there aren't fights breaking out in the crowd. And we, we, don't, we know how dangerous those are. And I, I, I've been at a couple where 
you got the bottles being thrown in the fans and you don't get any not you don't get any knockouts in the cage but you get knockouts in the in the audience and you know? yeah and i mean you know knock on wood i know anything can happen right. you know what i'm saying like i'm not saying that will never happen with us knock on wood but um i don't i don't i don't think that's happening anytime soon put it that way like we've done a good job at having good clientele, working with the right gyms. You know, there's some gyms that we just don't work with because we know that they bring problems. And that's very smart on your end, knowing that the type of crowd... You know, I remember, uh, and I'm sure you know Rene Lovell Martinez, uh, former pro fighter. I don't think he's fighting in uh, yes. time soon. But every time he would come and fight, you would know the crowd that he would bring. And you would know that there's someone, somehow whether he wins or loses, there's a riot that's going to break out uh, in the crowd. And it happened. Every pretty every time, pretty much, something happened because in the crowd, they got upset for whatever reason, and then all hell broke loose. So it's good on your end that you keep an eye you try to keep that uh, family-oriented atmosphere at an event like this uh, because that's that's what you want to do. This is, this is an, uh, it's a... It's a sporting event, but at the same time, it's entertainment. But you want to make it family friendly, and that's a that's a very uh, good eye that you got as a promoter. Uh, but as far as you, you got you, you have ten pro fights, um, and I know you talk about this once at uh, one of the at the, at the MMA awards, uh, getting back in the cage. I mean, what are your you plan to come back anytime soon? Uh, how cool will it be to fight under your own under your own uh, promotion? You know, um, man, I want to fight. I want to fight this year. I do. I I wanted to be uh, for a promotion out of the state. I um, while I would love to fight under my own uh, promotion and and have that, you know, I think it'd be cool. Um, I think one, it'd be really hard to find to get someone to want to fight me on my own show. Uh, two, I can't. I don't want to fight a bum. I don't want to fight somebody with a 500 record. I want to fight somebody with a winning record that. Um, has the ability to finish me. You know, I want to. I want to. I want to be threatened. I want to be in a war. So, on the flip side of that, I don't want to pay someone to potentially knock me out. <laughs> you know, no, nobody wants to pay the guy. You know, you know uh, to knock him out, and that could be what happens in this fight because that's the kind of fight I'm looking for. I'm looking for a war. I'm looking for uh, somebody to throw down with. So I, I want to definitely do it, but I want to do it out of the country. And I kind of want to just do it on a whim. I don't want to, you know, if, if I see a, a late notice fight that I can get, um, boom, I'm taking it. You know what I mean? Fly me to Mexico, fly me to Ireland, fly me to Asia. Um, Asia would be a dream. But, um, yeah, definitely I want to fight, and I want to fight out of the country. So, and I know you say that, that that is your goal to fight out of the country, but if you were to fight under your own promotion, how hard would that be? Because you got a fight to worry about, and then you got a show to worry about. Or would you take yourself out of that event to to, to just focus on that fight? No, my whole team knows I can never take myself out of the event to focus on a fight. <laughs> they know I, I've actually I've actually fought twice um, the night before one of our events. Wow. So not just once, but twice. And, I mean, I, I didn't have any issues. I fought for Island Fights one time on a Friday, and we had an event in Tallahassee on a Saturday. And then I fought for um, a guy named Alfred Simpson here in Orlando on a Friday, 
and I had a, I, we had an event on Saturday. <laughs> so, I mean, I've done I've done that before, and even the night of, you know, I would just set myself up to be the first fight of the night or the last fight of the night. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't. Um, if, if if the stars aligned and I got a good a good uh, tough opponent, you know, who knows? I might I might still do it on one of my events. <laughs> that, that, that that's 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 a chance in itself. So. July 27th, let's talk about the show, Sway Nightclub, amateur uh, competition going at it. What can we expect? I know sometimes you mix and match, you got a little jiu-jitsu in it, you got a little kickboxing, uh, but is this just going to be strictly uh, amateur MMA, or are we going to have a little bit of the rest, too? Yeah, we'll have a little bit. Of, um, so, Christian Rodriguez, not Christian Rodriguez, Christian in Australia, and uh, I think you like saying his name the most. I feel like when you say his name, you're really laying into that name in particular. Yes. But um, <laughs> Christian and uh, Chris Daniel might actually be doing a, a combat jiu-jitsu match against each other, um, which is funny because they both fought over the weekend. Uh, Christian won down there at a hard rock show, and Chris Daniel fought for us in Tallahassee. They both won. I believe they're both 3-1 and one now or 4-1. and one. And um, they both fought as amateurs twice, and they fought as a pro. Um, so now they'll be doing slap jiu-jitsu as well. But um, other than that fight, that's really the only fight that we have that is uh, that is not MMA. Everything else will be MMA. That's quite exciting. And, yeah, and you're talking about jiu-jitsu fights. You've had, like, Jim Allers, who was a former UFC fighter, and now with the, the bare knuckle uh, promotion. Yeah. You, you've got some big names out there. Uh, when it comes to the jiu-jitsu. Uh, and you also got some title fights as well. Yeah, man, we got um, Robert Sanfilippo, <clears throat> who fights out of Stay Ready over there with Kevin uh, Gleason. And he's fighting <clears throat> Sean Hodesing, which uh, both these, you've, you've, I think you've announced both these guys before. They're big boys, um, 185 titles on the line. Robert's the current champ. But, um, man, you know, they're both kind of great camp. Sean's out of FFA down there with Eater Terry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they got a 25 belt. Carlos Espinosa is the champ there. Um, I'm expecting that both these guys are undefeated. They're both 4-0. So I'm expecting this fight to be a really good fight. And then uh, the, the other title fight on the card is Victor Fernandez yep. versus Eric Gonzalez. Again, both these guys are undefeated with us. Both these guys are savages. Um, I can't wait to see. Eric is out of round five MMA with uh, Cesar. Um, I can't pronounce his last name, but Cesar down there at round five. And then um, Victor is with Tigre. Right. You know, the Tigre boys always come to bang. So I'm looking forward to that, that title fight as well. Gotcha. And, again, we invite all you guys to come out to Sweet Night Club this Saturday uh, in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, you never know. One of these guys, uh, or if we have any females in the fight card, I don't think we do. They, they, uh, you might see them at a Bellator or a UFC or one FC or any other great promotions. Heck, it happened with Valerie. You know, she fought for Combat Night, and now she's a big star in Bellator. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've probably had, I would say at least ten, ten people get to Bellator. I would say we're at like four now for the UFC and we got like four or five on UFC contender. And man, I always tell these guys, I'm like, you know, you're, you're paying 30, 35 bucks to see a fight 15, 10 feet away from the cage and in a more intimate setting than you'll ever be for any other event. And then these guys could be in two years can be fighting for UFC or Bellator and you have to spend a thousand dollars just to get a plane ticket, to buy your ticket, to, 
you know, hotel. And it's like, man, it's not just us. It's not just combat night. You know, it's Rise of a Warrior 2. It's Island Fight. You know, these are the shows that these guys should be getting out and supporting the local MMA shows in their town, especially if they're a fan of MMA. If they enjoy this and, and you know, they love watching it on TV, it's 10 times better in person, especially if you're at one of these events that make it really intimate for the fans. And not only that, Mitch, I think people miss the fact that a lot of these fighters that compete at all these shows, they got coaches and trainers, and some of these coaches and trainers are fighters that fight for the UFC or a Bellator. So you might get a chance to meet oh, yeah. them or take a picture. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. Um, we have, you know, on top of that, yeah, we have, you know, uh, Jorge Masvidal's been to most of our events, um, Nina, um, you know, answer off and on. I'm mm-hmm. laughing. I mean, just Nina. I feel like everyone knows her by that. Right, right, right. But, um, yeah, I mean, we have multiple UFC fighters. Amanda, the current, you know, champ champ. Um, Joel Romero's Hector Lombard. Man, all these guys. I love it. I love it that they support the local MMA scene. That's what I love about that, you know. And, and most, these guys and these girls don't come in there and they don't, they don't even ask us for free tickets. They're willing to pay. And it's like, no, nah, like, you're not, you know, if you're if you're a pioneer in the sport and you've helped, you know, these events even happen by putting yourself on the line over, you know, some of these guys, Hector's been in the game for how long now? Um, Yoel, you know, they've been around forever. Like, it's just awesome that they want to come out to the event and support the next generation of fighters. That's right. So everybody make it out. Sway Nightclub this Saturday, Combat Night. Don't miss it. Great fights, a lot of action. And you know what the good thing about it is, Mitch? Sway Nightclub is located in a very nice area, so right after the fight, you can stay just a few minutes while they take out the cage and then go to the club, or you can walk around. They have some great bars and restaurants nearby. I mean, you can't go wrong on a Saturday night. Yep. Nope. The downtown scene, especially down there in Fort Lauderdale, it's a great scene. It's not, you know, it's not... I, I, sometimes downtown areas can be rough, but, I, you know, Fort Lauderdale is one of my favorite areas. After the event, go grab some pizza, go grab a drink. It's a, it's a nice, chill spot. That's right. All right, everyone, we will check you out this Saturday at Sweet Night Club for Combat Night. Do not miss it. We will see you there. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners all around the world, welcome to The Showdown. Well, thank you very much to Cortez and Mitch. We hope to see you this Saturday at the at the Sway Night Club. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun out there. And how cool is it that right after the fight, which usually typically end around 10, 10.30, uh, you can just walk around downtown Fort Lauderdale. And, I mean, there's so many great bars and restaurants and a lot of stuff to do out there. So go out and enjoy yourselves right after the fight and during the fight as well. Again, if you're out there, make sure you say hello, take a selfie, uh, we'll sign some uh, pictures or whatnot. But looking forward to seeing all you guys this Saturday at Sway Night Club Combat Night featuring some great amateur MMA action. All right. Also on this Saturday is UFC 240. Max Holloway will put his featherweight title on the line against Frankie Edgar. You know, this fight, uh, of course, all due respect to Frankie Edgar, uh, but Frankie Edgar just defeated Quab's, uh, Cub Swanson by decision but prior to that if you remember he got knocked out by Brian Ortega in the first round uh, I see this fight just going to Max Holloway I'm not saying that Frank Yeager is done but Max Holloway is a great featherweight man he's a great champion 
I know he had his incident uh, uh, prior to his uh, last uh, fight, but um, Max Holloway is is a, is is a great fighter. He's entertaining sometimes when he wants to, but he's been a great champion in the featherweight division, no doubt. And I think that if he defeats Frankie Edgar, it will pretty much almost put him up there um, as far as one of the top featherweight champions of all time. I think that he's definitely already in there, but um, just beating Frank Yeager because of his reputation and resume is going to really launch him to the top, or really the, the true top of the featherweight division as one of the top fighters in that category. Uh, but I have Max winning. I have Max winning. Um, I, I, can't, I can't say if it's going to be by knockout, but I do see Max Holloway retaining his belt against Frank Yeager. Again, Brian Ortega knocked out Frankie. Brian took on Max. Max made Brian Ortega look like a ragdoll, if you want to say. It was uh, by decision, but Max Holloway just clearly won the entire fight. Um, so it's going to be quite interesting this weekend to see none other than Max Holloway, the man who came with the, came up with the cap challenge, uh, versus none other than the uh, I, I, you know he has to be in the Hall of Fame, Frank Frankie Edgar, he definitely has to be in the Hall of Fame when his time uh, comes and if he decides and when to, to retire or whatnot. So looking forward to that fight. Also, Chris Cyborg versus Felicia Spencer Cyborg will be in action. We haven't seen her for a while. She's been kind of quiet, hiding uh, and taking a little break, but she'll be back in action. On this fight card. Also Nick Newell. Has signed a contract with Bellator. He is the one handed fighter. He was also on the contender series. Um, but. Bellator believes in him. He thinks that he's a great fighter. And they will give him an opportunity. He is set to debut. In August. MMA fighter John Bones Jr. Once again is in trouble with the law. According to the. Bernalillo, Bernalillo County Metropolitan Court in New Mexico. He has been charged with battery uh, according to a criminal summons filed in this county. States here that uh, the alleged incident took place in April when a cocktail waitress at a strip bar, strip club said Jones slapped her in her genital area and put her in a chokehold according to the summons. Now, I don't know how true this is, but boy, did this guy always get himself in trouble. According to him, he didn't even know that this had been filed, and he just found out in July. <sighs> John Jones, man, he's just, he, I, I, don't, I, I don't know when this guy's going to learn, but I think that as fans, we've given him a lot of chances. Uh, heck, the UFC, Dana White, has given him a lot of chances, but he still does dumb, pardon my French, shit. Every damn time. He just can't get himself cleared. He has to do something stupid. To either go to jail. Or or get by a penalty or whatnot. If it's not the roids. It, it, it's slapping a woman in her general area. Or. Um, other, you know, hitting pregnant women while he's driving. All these crazy nonsense things. And he's such a great fighter. By far. Pound for pound. I think the best fighter. In the UFC or in MMA, John Bones Jr., but he keeps to getting in trouble like a dummy, 
please, John, figure it out, man. Don't get yourself in trouble all the time. You're a great fighter. You're going to leave a leg- huge legacy behind. We want to see you compete as many times as, as, as you can because you're that damn good and you're an exciting fighter. But you keep getting into trouble and it, that's just not cool. And many people are going to get turned off by you because of all this nonsense that's going on. And I hope, again, that this is just uh, someone sparking the fire uh, and it, is, it isn't what it is. And, uh, and if it is what it is, then hopefully... You know, he gets to be treated as whatever the justice decides to do, but maybe, hopefully, he gets to learn his lesson. Obviously, he didn't do that <laughs> the last time around. He got in, in uh, trouble with the law, although he is—he's good now. But uh, yeah, come on, John, you're better than that, man. Don't do anything stupid. Well, want to talk a little bit about rock here. I was over in Japan and I uh, attended a concert for North Lane, their Australia's band. And Crystal Lake, a Japanese band. I have to say, one of the best concerts that I have attended to. And some of the weirdest, weird, weird, weird experience. Because, you see, the night before, I had been to a show featuring a bandmate. That's band, and then hyphen me, like a band-aid. But it's band-made. Band, not not the uh, band-aid. Band made, M A I D, not aid, but made. So band made. It's play on words. And there were so many men, so many men in this concert. Of course, the the, the singers and guitarists and drummers. They are all women for band made. And then the next day, I went to see North Lane of Australia, which they are phenomenal. Uh, alongside Crystal Lake, another band from Japan. They are super metal, super awesome, very energetic. And at that show, see, you put that show here in the States, you know the type of crowd that you're going to get over there. You get people that have just left their jobs and they're dressed in suit and ties and they're at the rock concert. Now that to me, my friends, is beyond the cool. That just shows you that they really care for our music and they they show that appreciation because they could just simply just go home to their family and their kids. But no, they wanted to see the concert of North Lane and Crystal Lake and they did so. But you know what's even more really, really caught my eye is that in that band made show, there was more men than women. I mean, I literally could count how many women are there. But at the North Lane and Crystal Lake, huge percentage of women. And these are women that are dressed like they just came from work, which is the funny part. And they are headbanging, losing their shit like there's no tomorrow. Totally awesome experience. I'll be posting some of those videos on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com forward slash Roman Show Media to check out some of the great footage of the Sydney, uh, the Crystal Lake and North Lane event in Japan. Alright guys, I want to thank you very much for tuning in. You know the thing, if you haven't been on, you haven't been heard. We'll catch you next week right here on The Roman.